you all for inviting me into your pulpit, whether you knew you were doing that or not. With a similar sentiment to Mary Oliver, an ecstatic Hindu poet named Mirabai wrote in the 16th century. She was also a woman. I just, I have to mention that. To be born in a human body is rare. Don't throw away the reward of your past good deeds. Life passes in an instant. The leaf doesn't go back to the branch. The ocean of rebirth sweeps up all beings hard, pulls them into its cold, running, fierce, implacable currents. Take me quickly. Get up, stop sleeping. The days of a life are short. To be born in a human body is rare. The days of a life are short. Some things have not changed since the 16th century and abide in truth across continents and cultures. Religion comes, as the late UU minister Forrest Church has said, from the human predicament of being alive and having to die. If indeed our days are short, what are we to do with them? That may be the greatest essentially human question, more significant than who or if God is and what if anything happens when we die. Yet that is a question that has no single answer. It may be where our individuality stands out most starkly. We cannot all do the same thing with our wild and precious life because we are not the same. The grasshopper does what she does, and so does the swan and the black bear. It seems the animals know what to do. Even the trees, if we are to believe the Taoist story, sort themselves out. We humans wonder. I have a brother who is 51 weeks younger than I am, just less than a year. By the time I was two, he was bigger than I was. We grew up very much together. Early on, we figured out that there were some things he was better at, drawing and sports, and some things I was better at, music and academics. And unlike many siblings, we did not compete with each other, but chose in some unconscious way to just leave whole swaths of experience to the other, the, ones who were, the one who was good at it. Now, while there were downsides to that approach, I didn't find my athletic side or develop any visual artistry until I was an adult, our cooperation and collaboration surprised people who were used to squabbling siblings. We recognized and appreciated each other's gifts. And to find what we are to do in the world requires identifying our gifts, which is a lot easier said than done. Our gifts don't show up if we don't try different things, and sometimes we just dismiss and diminish our own gifts. Oh, that's not a big deal. That's easy. The process of discerning gifts, of examining where we have been, what we have done, what tasks and settings have filled our spirits, and what tasks and settings have depleted our resources, 
These endeavors can rightly take a lifetime. Various tests offer you understandings. You may have taken a Myers-Briggs at work or done an interest inventory in school when you were figuring out a major. But the most effective way, maybe, to come to know our gifts may be through loving, supportive community. When someone else acknowledges our gifts and says, look what you can do, then we make the discovery and can own its value. It was in my tiny Unitarian Universalist fellowship in Cumberland, Maryland, for instance, that someone came to me after I'd given a sermon and said, you could be a minister. That was my call. I often tell new members in the church that church can be a safe place to risk discovering their gifts. If you've never sung in a choir but love to sing, you can try it at church. If you've never taught a class or organized a fundraiser or read aloud in public or told your story, church community can be a place you can try and maybe discover you have a gift that you didn't know about. Church is a place to grow into your best self. There's no recipe or instruction book for developing the precious you that you are. Because, like snowflakes, we're all unique combinations of particular gifts and challenges, histories and experiences. Our genetic codes, our upbringing, the movies we've read and the books we've watched, the, the other way around, the books we've read and the movies we've watched. <laughs> the words are all here, they're just jumbled. Um, the groups we've been part of, the cultures we've grown up in and associated with, everything that is part of us has shaped us into something singular. Even our mistakes and losses and struggles have contributed to what we have to offer the world. Even the tree's uselessness made it what it was. So there's no simple curriculum to develop and engage your gifts, but in church, people will guide you, help you, and support you, and sometimes challenge you and hold you accountable. At least that's my experience. It can be too great a risk to try new things in some settings, like work or even school, but church is a good place to learn what you have to give to the world and to do it. Now, in this... Unitarian Universalist churches are not particularly special. My favorite resource for helping people discover their gifts comes from a Lutheran press. You can learn about yourself and what you have to offer in any congregational setting as long as it's loving and supportive. Any congregation can call you to your best self. But there's something I think that we as Unitarian Universalists do uniquely well. Not only do we appreciate each other's talents and flares, we value one another's thoughts, beliefs, and opinions, even when they differ from our own. I remember sitting in a covenant group in my church, listening as people shared about their ideas of what is ultimate, what is of ultimate value. Many used the word God, but not everyone did. And I, I remember the comment that came from 
an octogenarian, a devout humanist who didn't have much use for God. He leaned forward from his armchair and spoke slowly. I am coming to understand that what some of you mean by God may be what I call mystery. We don't share the same vocabulary. But that doesn't mean we can't share our hearts and minds. A convinced atheist has been regularly attending my uh, Sunday morning classes on spirituality at First Unitarian in Oklahoma City, though he doesn't quite know what the word means, but he thinks that the class helps him to become more and more conscious in the way he lives, and he values that consciousness. So sometimes as we're talking about spirituality, we just change the word to consciousness just for him. In some ways, the religious questions are easy compared to the ones of what we are to do in the world. I remember a story of a group of UUs who were gathered together at a summer camp. They heard of an anti-nuclear rally happening nearby, and the urge to join the protest swept through the camp. But there were other people in the camp, other Unitarian Universalists, who were not crazy about the idea some who didn't think that a protest was the most effective means to bring about change, but more significantly, there were some who worked for the nuclear industry and believed that it could help reduce the use of coal and oil. They were really on quite opposite sides. There was discussion, even heated discussion, but no resolution, so the camp could take no position. Those campers who were interested did indeed join the protest. But here's where the story reveals our true uniqueness. When the protesters returned from the rally, they found that those who had stayed behind had prepared for them all a feast, a celebration of togetherness and oneness, a party to demonstrate truly that we need not think alike to love alike. At our best, we UUs recognize that our differences are not a liability, but an advantage. We can learn from people who disagree with us. And when someone says something that makes me say, aha, that's where our assumptions are different. That's where our experience is different. I am rewarded by coming to a deeper understanding of myself and of the other person and that makes me know the world better. As Scott Peck's reading said this morning, it makes our decisions as a community more realistic when we can hear all these different perspectives. Maturity develops as I say, this is me, that is you, and both of us are fine. So, are we forever sentenced to some of us going out to the rally while others remain behind to cook? Can we not find something that we agree on and work together? We can, indeed. But it can take time, maybe even generations. Take, for example, civil rights for African Americans. If we go back 
far enough into Unitarian and Universalist history. We find early condemnations of slavery from the Universalists, but we find Unitarians all over the map. Our beloved Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. Though Unitarian President Millard Fillmore, yes, Millard Fillmore was a Unitarian, Though he personally opposed slavery, he signed the Fugitive Slave Law, the very same law that Unitarian Minister Theodore Parker vehemently and perhaps even violently opposed. Parker's church even included former slaves like William and Ellen Craft, who could have been arrested under the Fugitive Slave Law. And they were as much Unitarians as John C. Calhoun the Southern Unitarian who staunchly defended slavery. That checkered past laid the groundwork for the mixed record of Unitarians and later Unitarian Universalists when it came to the Civil Rights Movement. Our institutions, with few but significant exceptions, did not support African Americans joining our congregations or serving as ministers. Our culture, was exclusionary, reflecting not only whiteness, but I would say New England whiteness. The music, the sermons, the religious education materials, the reading, little to welcome black people, little to make them feel at home. African-American Reverend uh, Mark Morrison-Reed has documented all this very well, including what happened next. Somehow, Despite the troubled connections with African Americans, the narrow cultural context of Unitarian Universalism and the difficult history, 50 years ago, we came through at a crucial moment in the march in Selma, Alabama. You likely know some of the history. You may have lived through it. You may have seen the movie. You may know that many UU congregations are celebrating today as Selma Sunday, but you may not know the particular UU connections. When black people were savagely beaten on the Edmund Pettus Bridge while trying to march to the Capitol to claim their right to vote, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called clergy to come and join the march, and they did and Unitarian Universalist clergy came in force. Before that, UUs had found their way to the Mississippi Summer Project, registering voters, and to the Freedom Riders, pushing for integrated interstate travel, and some of them came. Whatever had happened in the past, UUs had learned something about justice and standing with the oppressed, and we came through. Reverend James Reeve, was martyred in the process, as was a Unitarian homemaker from Detroit, Viola Liuzzo. And after those deaths, other UUs came. Even the Board of Trustees closed down its meeting and reconvened in Selma. I think that that work equipped us for campaigns that were to come. Many of them have been branded now as standing on the side of love. Campaigns that we've had around same-sex marriage and for immigrants and for inclusion of Muslims in the public square. And none of this work, none of this work, including the push for equal justice for African Americans, is done 
but we have learned something about how to coalesce and make a difference in the conversation. We've learned something about changing the world. I don't think we could get there if we hadn't learned to listen to each other's stories and stories from non-UUs, some far different from ourselves. If we hadn't learned to take seriously our ideals, to make mistakes, to make amends, and to move on. You see, being in a church doesn't only call us to individually grow into our best selves. Being church calls us collectively to become the best we can as an institution. Theologian Walter Brueggemann speaks about institutions as well as individuals as having souls. Not just structures and foundations and purposes and principles and values, but souls. That implies that an institution, like an individual, has a particular profile of skills and gifts and challenges and history that makes it what it is, and that an institution can grow and deepen itself, can mature, and can contribute to the world in its distinctive way, the way, if you wish, that it is called. In 1966, at the UUA General Assembly Ware Lecture, Martin Luther King, Jr., described the role of the church as, and I quote, to broaden horizons, to challenge the status quo, and to question and break mores, end quote. He called on the church, and on our UU churches in particular, to remain awake through this revolution. We as UU churches, with our ability to hold different perspectives side by side, and to honor the individuals holding them while coming together to work for the good of all are uniquely positioned to do that work of broadening horizons, challenging the status quo, and questioning mores. It is the work we are called to do. It is the work that will lead us individually and collectively to be the best selves we can be and to build the best institutions we can build, and to discover how to spend our wild and precious lives. So may it be. <laughs>